Hello, and welcome to a weird hybrid episode of sorts. We address it a little bit at the start, but I'm doing something a little different slash kind of cheating with this week's episode of So Do We Still Like This. Uh, we've talked a little bit about uh, Sam also and I have a project going on where we are watching and reviewing and discussing and ranking all of the weird direct-to-video Bruce Willis movies. And between that and some of the franchise stuff we've done on the normal podcast, we are in the midst of working on uh, a third thing that will have um, more rotating guests per franchise. Uh, it's called it's a third podcast called Flippin' Through Franchises, which is something I've wanted to do for a very long time and decided to just go for it. And the idea is exactly that, making your way through every entry of a franchise uh, discussing it and then ranking them. Uh, part of it just birthed from how much fun it's been on the other ones to kind of go through some series and rank them as you go, especially uh, ones that people hadn't seen before. But I kind of wanted, like, like, there's all these weird things, like they've made 10 sniper movies and they've made six marine movies, which we're going to get to. Uh, there's nine saws, ten hellraisers, all these, and some even weirder, like, uh, they just released the fourth Never Back Down movie. So I've always been kind of fascinated by these long-running franchises. Like, there's so many American Pie movies after the main theatrical ones ended that I wanted to recruit people and started start working our way through these weird pieces of cinema. So... That is going to launch soon, hopefully. So this is kind of like when, like we say in the episode, when you're watching an episode of Law & Order and a bunch of new characters show up. And you're like, this isn't really a Law & Order episode. This is an episode of Law & Order Space or whatever the offshoot is of Law & Order. I would absolutely watch crime procedurals and court procedurals done in space. So Dick Miller, get on that right away. This is, um, this is serving as the, what will be the first episode of that as we make our way through all of the Home Alone movies. So I kind of wanted to introduce people to the idea that this podcast is coming through our regular podcast because you'll still get to hear a classic chat about Home Alone, which is, you know, hey, something that we would typically do around these parts anyway, while also doing a little bit of shameless self-promotion. And it saves me from having to record two podcasts this week, so that's a huge plus too. So enjoy and look forward to more news on the third podcast that I am going to be undertaking, flipping through franchises, but also an episode of So Do We Still Like This. So do we still like this retro thing for what it is? Nostalgia goggles heavy on those things when we were kids. I've got the memories of falling while my hair was turning gray. I'm thinking back on all the things that were better yesterday. So for all those things nostalgic, I also do is to like this. So for all those things nostalgic, I also do is to like this. Alright, welcome to what might be the first ever episode of this. I think probably it will be. This is flipping through franchises. This is a, uh, as you've probably learned, because I'm going to Trojan horse this into an episode of So Do We Still Like This. 
Uh, welcome to one where we just watch every entry in a franchise, discuss it, and rank it so that we can put out into the world the definitive, like, no questions asked. There's no room for disagreement. This is the how these movies rank. And joining me for this excursion down the, are there really that many of these Home Alone path? Because people on this one might not know you. You can introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Kim. For a minute, I thought we were going to have that awkward moment where it's like, do I do it? Do you do it? <laughs> oh, no. This is a much more confident <laughs> podcast than that yeah. other that other shit show. I like it. Which, which also, I love that <laughs> podcast. So thank you to everyone for joining from that one. <laughs> um, so this is like episode one of this and episode 172 of the other one. Uh, yeah, there are six Home Alone movies, it turns out. <laughs> so... Oh, did you not were, know that? I thought there were four. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, Kim, you're in for such a treat. There's six. So there's Home Alone, <laughs> Home Alone 2, colon, Lost in New York, Home Alone 3, Home Alone 4. I don't remember if that one has a subtitle. Then there's, I think it's like Home Alone, The Holiday Heist. And then there's the very recently released Home Sweet Home Alone, which is the reboot slash sort of sequel on Disney+. Plus. Oh man. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's why I'm I've excited. been watching. I've been watching these in the while I'm making dinner. So I was like, I'm just going to keep these going. I thought uh, but, I could, I could pace it out a bit more. I thought there were only four of them and I'm like, I no, got this. I can do get, this. Get going. Cause we'll be okay. back here in a couple of days <laughs> to do the next one. Uh, but for now, because uh, we also, I just realized we kind of just missed on the other podcast covering this one for its 30th anniversary. Cause it came out in 1990. We are doing Home Alone, the first one, directed by Chris Columbus, written by John Hughes, kind of taints John Hughes's career for a bit, not because it's, you know, Home Alone, but because the formula of kid or like, like wacky bad guys get hurt by traps kind of became his thing for the 90s. I, I think it was just part of kids movies in general in the 90s maybe but i mean listen to what his output was after this so obviously home alone 2 uh he apparently wrote beethoven under a pseudonym which i didn't know um <laughs> which is weird like you wrote dutch and you used your real name are you really gonna be like uh take me off of beethoven but he did i mean i would i would want that i wouldn't want to be associated with beethoven oh hey watch your step because I will make us do a Beethoven franchise. Do you know how many goddamn <laughs> Beethoven movies there are? There's Don't get me wrong. Nine. I, I like love nine, dogs. At least nine. <laughs> when did they come out? Okay, don't don't answer that. When We're your doing... back was turned. <laughs> and slash, when I've given up on them. <laughs> when I worked at the video store, there's also like 11 Land Before Times because I remember someone was coming in and renting every Land Before, like once a week they came in and rented the next one. And it took them like three goddamn months to get wow. through them all. Yeah. I thought there were two of those. <laughs> no, there's at least 12. And I'm not exaggerating. I like how this is revealing that I'm going through my life and when I've had enough of something, I just assume it's the end for everybody. <laughs> and you're just like, no, that was it. No one got any more. <laughs> yeah, no, that's why this podcast exists is because anyone I tell there are six home alones, there are this many this, people are like, that That can't be true. So it is, and no one else is watching them. So I feel like we should. But uh, let's let's get quickly, before we get back into the movie, here's this other 
uh, Home Alone 2, obviously. Dennis the Menace, which I remember definitely had some Christopher Lloyd getting knocked around stuff. Yeah. Baby's Day Out, which was an entire movie of that. Uh, 101 Dalmatians, which I believe also had some of that. Flubber, which definitely did. Uh, and that's kind of it, but still. That's a lot of crooks getting hurt by traps that are either intentionally or unintentionally set. Because the baby, he just wanted his day out. He didn't mean to kill people. I was going to say, what the hell is up with Baby's Day Out? Does that have some sort of villain or burglar in it? Have you seen Baby's Day Out? I have no I idea what not. this movie is. Uh, so Baby's Day Out is probably something we should do on the main podcast because I remember liking it quite a bit back in, you know, 1994 when it came out. Uh, if I remember right, they kidnap a baby because, I don't know, like maybe something valuable ends up in his onesie or something. I forget the exact details. But they kidnap him and then he gets away and then just through a series of Looney Tunes-esque shenanigans, the three crooks who are trying to get him back just keep getting hurt. Like, you know, let's chase the baby into the street. Oh, no, I got hit by a car. That kind of stuff. Mm, That's see. the movie. Please I'd don't have make this. me watch that. <laughs> I think we should, though. Right? I mean, come on. I think we should probably, because as a parent now, I really want to see how that changes up. If as a kid, it's just wacky hijinks. But if as, as a parent, it's like someone needs to help this baby. <laughs> That's what I was wondering, too, as you're watching Home Alone. Are you looking at it through the perspective of a father and wondering... Yeah. Oh man, this is rough. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, actually, uh, that's kind of ties into my first uh, question because we do things a little different here. There's a little bit more of a format because uh, let's face it, we really don't need to break down the plot of Home Alone. I don't think like we don't need to beat for beat this. You've either seen it and we might keep things a little more spoiler free on this one just in case, because if you haven't seen Home Alone, Jesus Is Christ. Is it possible to not spoil the ending of this movie? <laughs> I guess we'll spoil parts. Of, I mean, this one, it's easy because really, what can you spoil? It's not like the twist ending is, oh, fuck, he died. I mean, it could be in a sequel. <laughs> Maybe in the remake. I don't know. But it's not as though at the end when he's like, I'm going to bite these fingers off. He succeeds. And this oh. audience watches in horror as the movie <laughs> careens into R-rated torture porn. Uh, yeah, they, I mean, the kids left home alone um, in a because I was really watching for this one, because, again, as parents, the idea of doing that seems insane. But I feel like and obviously when John Hughes sat down to write this, he must have, you know, obviously that's the big hurdle is who's going to believe parents would ever leave their eight year old child at home. Do you feel he he handled it well? I was going to say yes, because first of all, this is a movie that I've only ever watched in the background on, during the holidays. Like it's not something I've really sat down to watch and pay attention to. But there's a lot of plot moments at the beginning. I remember where they're trying to justify why this works out, because my question was, how do they not know this? So you have a number of like hints. There's there's Catherine O'Hara getting um uh i was about to say dennis the menace <laughs> oh other wrong john hughes movie um getting what's his name macaulay culkin yeah macaulay culkin the character is kevin McAllister. kevin getting him in trouble and that whole thing has to happen because then he has to go sleep in the attic and that's why yeah. 
they forget him because he's in the attic and then the power goes out, which I didn't know. Like there's all these little hints to say like, this is the rationale behind leaving the kid at home. And then even Kevin runs out the next day to look at the cars in the garage. And he says, my parents must still be here because they did, they, their cars are here. We didn't drive to the airport yet. So there's all these kind of like little nuggets to justify it. And I, every time I had a question like this can't be, this can't be one of those hints would, would pop up. And I would think, Oh yeah, that makes sense. That makes total sense. Yeah. I feel like when he was writing it, you know, obviously I can only speculate, but it seems like he himself or someone was really working hard to go, okay, but then what about this? And they Mm -hmm. would try and figure that piece out because yeah, like you said, they have already kind of general chaos because their whole family is going on this holiday for the, or the, this trip for the holidays. So the house is full of people. There's like 20 relatives between cousins and uncles and yeah, power going out, Kevin being separated from everybody the power going out means they sleep in. So yeah. it's sheer chaos in the morning. Someone fucks up the head count and counts Kevin, even though Ooh, it's like yeah. the neighbor, it's like the neighbor kid who has wandered over. See, I never noticed that part before that there, I was just thinking, who is this annoying kid and why is he here? And he's there for the head count. That's, yeah. that's why they actually do a head count. Everybody's there. Nobody knows that that kid doesn't belong to the family. <laughs> I also, I believe he's wearing the same toque as Kevin. Oh, like it's the dressed. same build. Yeah. Yeah. He has the same kind of frame and I think even clothing. So it'd be very easy for them to just go like, that's Kevin. Yeah. Moving on. And then the airport, obviously they say when they're leaving the house, we have 45 minutes to make this flight, which now post 9-11, nope, you might as well <laughs> give up and stay home. You, you're done. Yeah. But back then, sure, I guess they could make it. Um they make One it, th- they also, they, they show up in two different vans and then the kids are separated in the plane too. Like the yep. adults They're back are, in coach. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The kids are in coach and, and the, uh, the adults are in first class. So there's just constantly there. There's no opportunity for anybody to notice that Kevin's not there. Somebody, I'm trying to look it up now. I, I should have grabbed the link before. Someone did do the math of what would that trip cost? <laughs> oh no. Like- because don't they even say that, like, I don't remember if it's the first one now or the second one where because Kevin's like tell, calling calls the uncle a cheapskate because they're not paying for the trip. The dad is. So he's paying for the whole thing. Apparently, just the f- plane tickets alone would have been thirty five thousand dollars when you factor in that they're all in first class. Wow. I don't know if that's with inflation, so I don't know if I fully trust this source, so I will start looking for... But is the dad paying for it, or is it his brother who gets some fancy position and somehow that helps the situation? I took it as, no, Kevin's dad is paying for the entire thing. Hmm. All right. You should be a lot more pissed off at the end of that movie then. Okay, so it's actually way more. Um, The airfare, according to this sapling article, would be $57,058. Factoring in if they succeed on the trip, it's about $600 for museum and tourist attractions. That's a circle around because sapling giving me ads for saplings. This is your ad, sapling. I'm calling you out. So all (laughs) in all, it's about... $60,000 $60,000 almost. Wow. To, I mean, they live in a fucking nice house in a nice neighborhood. So the McAllisters are doing fine. I don't think they ever say what their jobs are, but 
I assume their dad's like on Wall Street or some shit. They're well off. That's actually something that bothered me about the movie is that there's a lot of moments where people are just looking out the window and then being seen through the window, but there's like a thousand windows in that house. So how do people know exactly where to look? (laughs) You're right. This movie's trash. Uh, but the actual question I was going to ask when you met, um, when you were saying, how do you view this now? Because I hadn't seen it since I had kids, at least I don't think. Is the question being, Kevin McAllister, cute or annoying? Oh, annoying. Hands down. Absolutely yeah. annoying. I If there's somebody out there who finds this little kid cute, please like <laughs> chime in somehow. But no, so annoying. I... Mm, no <laughs> i think he has cute moments no everything begin- is so forced like he when he's trying to be cute it's so forced and so horrible to watch it's cringe very cringe i don't i don't know if i agree with that i agree that everything up into his punishment to go up and spend the night in the attic is rightfully deserved I'm sure as a kid, I was like, that's right, Kevin, fuck families. But as an adult, it's like, yeah, the mom is 100% right. Like, he's being a shit. Yeah. Was that a trick question just to get me to judge this little child? I mean, that's what we're here to do, but mm. it's not a trick question. I, I, <laughs> I mean that as a kid, I'm sure I related to him and went, you know, parents, it's like Will Smith said, you know, parents just don't understand. But now as an adult, it's like, oh, we get it. Fuck you. I I think even as a kid watching this movie, I hated him. He wasn't, he wasn't like the favorite part of the movie for me. So that actually leads into another question I have. (laughs) Uh, Who is your favorite character in the movie? I thought I actually wrote down besides Kevin. because I was like, well, a lot of people are going to say Kevin. So, because I have favorite and least favorite. Is Kevin your least favorite? I would say, yeah. Oh, he's definitely my least favorite. Well, no, there were some of the siblings that were like, I would just put all the little children together and say, those are my least favorite. Um, Yeah, they do a good job with the shitty older brother, although Buzz has one of my favorite lines in the movie, which is, I wouldn't let you sleep in my room if you were growing on my ass. Yeah, that was a good line. I like that (laughs) line. And I feel like back in 1990, I was like, ooh, I'm watching a movie with bad words in it. (laughs) Uh, So my favorite character, I think my favorite character as a kid was um, John Candy at the end. Wait. John Candy? That's who it is? Yeah, well, John Candy's the the polka king of, uh, I forget where he says. Well, I I remember he says they're big in Sheboygan, because I think, I'm sure he just was, like, it's him and Catherine O'Hara, so I'm sure most of their stuff was made up on the spot. They're just improvising, and I think this was the first time I watched the movie not, like, on DVD or or VHS, or, or, sorry, not, um, like, I usually just see it on television, so this I rented, and there's a moment at the end where he's Catherine O'Hara just turns to him and says, have you ever forgotten your child at home? And he says, no, but I've forgotten my child in a funeral home with a corpse. Apparently that, that whole thing was made up right on the ha- spot. It had to have been, but that never made it to television. I don't think. Like, oh. So I've never seen that part and I laughed so hard. Um, but yeah, as a kid, he was my favorite because he was quirky and funny. But as an adult... I think my favorite person is actually the old man who gets misjudged at the beginning. Uh, um, oh God, what are they? Oh yeah, what's his I'm name? Blanking on, I'm blanking on what they, yeah, they, they say he's like a guy a who killed shovel. his family and turned them into salt. 
and he just yeah. like uses their bodies and I don't know. Do you think the brother legitimately believed the story he was telling or he was just telling it to fuck with Kevin? I was trying to to wonder about that. I think he legitimately believed it. It um, seemed like he did. Because I don't think his character is smart enough to have made it up. That's that's I, my rationale there. I agree completely with that. Yeah, I don't <laughs> think he... And they don't come back to that later that he was like, Kevin, I was just fucking with you. I mean, we yeah. say it like that, but... Yeah, I think he also, which is weird because it gets into how the salt turns into mummies. So it's weird that his story goes to that point because how old do you think Buzz is? Like 14, 15? Yeah, I was going to say like somewhere between 13 and 15. Yeah, so it's a little weird, but. But it's such, the old man has such a tragic story. Like they think he he's killed his family with a shovel one night. But it's just that he got in a fight and now he's like rejected by his family, by his son. And I don't think as a kid that resonated with me. It was just, this is a creepy old man and I've only ever seen him as creepy and then wondered why he was so kind at the end. Yeah, I think that the whole scene in the church, as much as maybe <gasps> Kevin McAllister is portrayed as a little too wise beyond his years, oh, he yeah. still do a pretty good job of... <laughs> of portraying that the way a kid would just you know ask because his his thing is i had a falling out with my son we haven't spoken since and he's just like why don't you just call him he's like so i'm scared it's like why just do it i do think that's probably what a kid would do there's not a lot of gray areas just like i don't understand just do the thing like if i tell one of my oldest maybe her thing is always like why don't you just say yes <laughs> like she doesn't see why like what are the circumstances that would make me have to say like can i have a friend over is like well what have to just like no i just what do you mean i just want to have my friend over like yeah. i think i think they do capture that pretty well so it's not maybe so much that he's wise beyond his years he's just like i don't understand i think like, he's just, just do the thing yeah at that point he's just like an innocent little kid and it works too because he's starting to miss his family at that point like he realizes how much danger he's in which I think that's kind of the moment where I do kind of like Kevin, but it's because he's not doing anything over the top. They're just making him be like this sad little kid who's trying to figure out his life. <laughs> yeah, I do think, and I have this question as well uh, about do they capture the childhood excitement of being home by yourself? And I think they they do. The moment that really sells it for me is just how excited he is to have his own pizza. Because <laughs> I remember what that probably would have been like as a kid to just, and it's not even like a huge, it's just like to us, like we would order three of those size pizzas now because they're mm -hmm. just nothing. Yeah. But as a kid to have like your own personal pizza, that was everything. I was so afraid as a kid. I cannot relate to anything this guy does alone. Um, being home alone would have freaked me out. Um, I guess I could relate because there's a moment where like they call a police officer to go over to check in on him. And this is at the point where the family realizes he's home alone. And then there's a knock at the door and Kevin doesn't answer. That would be me. And I would also be way too afraid to call for my own pizza. I would be so afraid. <laughs> that pizza guy is maybe the dumbest pizza guy on the planet. Cause there's this whole <laughs> bit and it's honestly maybe my favorite part of the movie is this fake movie within the movie that they filmed with it is maybe, fake okay I was it, is, about it that. is fake with maybe my favorite character in the movie the guy from like the angels with dirty faces the like 
you know, I'm going to give you to the cat in a tent. That guy's awesome. <laughs> to get your ugly, yellow, no good keister off my property. I could probably do the whole thing, but I won't. Yeah. So the pizza, he plays that for the pizza guy. And the pizza guy thinks he's being shot at and runs away. But to the in the fiction of that universe, the sound is coming from like a shitty single speaker tube TV mm. in the middle, in the living room. So I don't even think he would be able to hear it that well if he was outside, let alone be convinced. He Wait, does Kevin light the firecrackers then or later when it's no, the robbers? No, he does it later for the robbers. Okay, because yeah. that at least that sells it. But yeah, I was say for the pizza guy, I think he just plays the audio and the pizza guy's like, ah, which is also a shitty thing to do because the pizza guy didn't do anything wrong and he has money. I feel so bad for that pizza guy. <laughs> yeah, like he may not be the brightest dude, but he gets jerked around that entire movie. Like, does he even get a decent tip? Oh, he does. He says thanks at the, the beginning. Staff. He does. Yeah, he does. But when he comes back later, yeah, he he's just kind of screwed over. It's like he didn't do anything wrong at the beginning, other than want to get paid. Well, I mean, Kevin has to be careful with his money because he doesn't know how long he'll be without his family. So he That's... he only. He only has money because he he's broken into his brother's savings account, which I really liked. Yeah, <laughs> I should have uh, maybe some. There's a lot of deep dives out there. I wonder if anyone has figured out how many how much money Buzz had in his life savings. Let's see. It's like fifteen bucks. <laughs> how much money did Buzz have in his? How much money did Buzz Aldrin have? Is the first. No, we're we don't care about that. We're here to ask the real questions. <laughs> Uh, there's yeah, a YouTube. A there's a YouTube video about it. I'm not gonna watch that, but mm. maybe I'll add it in post. But he he gets a toothbrush, and then he goes gross grocery shopping, and he buys and a buys lot of quite, stuff. Yeah, I was gonna say, and buys quite a bit. Like even in 1990 dollars, that's well, she gives the total, I guess. Yeah. What was it? Was oh. it like less than 30 bucks? Maybe like 13 something. Uh, you know what? Let's take a look at Home Alone quotes, because I bet that whole back and forth between him and the cashier is probably in here. In fact, it is the first quote that comes up, but no. unfortunately, it does not include the line about leave it on the doorstep and get the hell out of here. It doesn't include the um, the total, the total. It starts after that. I have been picking up on that in older movies now, because like also is watching Seinfeld recently and just how much things cost it's so much less it was so much oh, yeah. less and you got so much more <laughs> the amount of money they spend on cabs in seinfeld alone like yeah that's shit. true they cab everywhere on that show yeah i would say his grocery bill probably came to 1350 that's what i'm gonna which say. is crazy because he bought so <laughs> he bought milk. much stuff like right there is he at the end he says i bought milk eggs and fabric softener which that's right like $30. now is definitely not 13 dollars. <laughs> yeah like maybe one of them tiny little 500 mils of milk you could get away with, but nope. Yeah. <laughs> but he's smart enough to break into his brother's savings account, get that money. And then he he's very strict about how he spends well, it. Well, you make it sound fancier than it is because you keep saying break into his savings account. It's just money in a jar <laughs> that he takes. Uh, It's money in a jar on the top (laughs) shelf of a bookshelf and you have to bypass a tarantula. This is a savings account. (laughs) That is all true, but you're making it seem like he does some cool hacker shit or convinces the bank to give them the money. (laughs) It's just 
some bills in a jar that he takes. So I do now wonder where he got that money from. <laughs> Buzz? Yeah. He probably has like a part-time doing something like a paper route or however else he made his money. He's the- so rich. Maybe he just does chores at home and his dad's like, yeah. here's a dollar, sir. Yeah. Okay. You know what? That's probably much more likely. <laughs> or like he has an allowance or something, but I don't know. I could see Buzz doing like maybe not a paper route, but part-time something shoveling snow. He can't shovel the snow. The old man shovels the snow. Yeah, but that's his. No one's- that's his oh, no, he's, he doesn't he salt it? He uses the shovel to salt the ice. Oh, yeah. He's yeah, yeah. dipping it into his big thing of salt and yeah. then making, making mummies. I just assumed he was doing both. He might be. <laughs> I don't know. He's not getting paid for it either way. No, he's trying to compensate his guilt of never seeing his family on Christmas. So he spends every hour of the holidays salting the streets. <laughs> to... To the benefit of nobody. Well, nobody. I mean, it's, they're their, it's to their benefit, but no one's okay with it, apparently. They just watch <laughs> from the windows and go, that dude's a magic murderer, man. Well, that's only the kid's perspective, right? I wonder if he is respected on the block by the adults. I doubt it. <laughs> Have you seen that community? Do you really think that community is one that's okay with that disheveled looking elderly man walking around our neighborhood? If he has money, because he clearly owns a house on the street. And it seems like when they're calling back home from Paris, they have everybody's number on the street. It seems like it's a tight community. Yeah. But also, (laughs) yeah, let's face it, Kim. This is the kind of community that calls the cops on a non-white person. Like, that's the dark underbelly of the Home Alone community. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like supremely rich white neighborhood. A hundred percent. Like, they all made even... clearer by the fact that all of them are gone for Christmas. Mm-hmm. That entire block is gone. Yeah, that's something I didn't pick up too. Like when that annoying little kid is at the beginning, that's what he says. These people are going to Hawaii. These, I'm going to Florida. I can't believe these guys are going to Paris. Like, Who has time to do this over the holidays? Well, I guess we ain't no money because look where they're living, but Mm. I, I, I just, I mostly can't even wrap my head around the concept of traveling anywhere for Christmas. I just can't that just doesn't compute it's too much work it's too much work yeah especially with that many children like do you bring presents with you do you open them before you go are you buying them there i think those are all my questions the trip if i had a family and we're going on a trip that big the trip would be your present do not expect santa to pop oh that's true but when (laughs) will the five-year-old care then would he just be like okay then i'd rather not go to paris and get the remote control car that's exactly it that's why i I don't care about the louvre (laughs) i just want like some coloring books and i'll make my own louvre Just going back to my questions, I feel like the one we just did, I, we didn't fully. What was it? I already uh, forgot. Well, I had I asked if the movie captures the essence of the situation, and I think it does. Um, I think it shows a lot of what a kid on his own would do, um, which I think might be more of a problem when we get to the newer one. So we'll wait for that, just based on clips I've seen. Um, I did have, yeah, favorite, and oh, I did also have least favorite character. So your favorite, you said, is John Candy. I don't know if I, or no, the old man. The old man now, it. yeah. I, like, mine might just be dude in fake film. <laughs> I love that part so much. Um, but I, I, I like the John Candy part, and I like the mom a lot. I think they do a good job of, with her character, of making her concerned, but without 
because it's a lighthearted family comedy. So you can't have her just like scream, scream, crying in the bathroom because she's scared for her son. So I think they found a good balance of like making sure she's fairly determined and concerned, but not Mickey, I guess. And I like Marv a lot too. So, oh, Oh, am I back now? Yeah, you're back now. You froze for a second, but I think that was just on my end. Okay. Um, yeah, I was just saying, and I like Marv a lot too. So I don't know. There's a few I, people I like. I do have more respect for the burglars now. I feel like maybe I identify with them most. <laughs> they just they've had a rough life. They're trying to make it. They're breaking into this rich area on the block. And they're trying their best. <laughs> they really are. <laughs> I mean, when it really comes down to it, this is just kind of a, you know, the one percent one percent versus the ninety-nine percent movie. Yeah, sure. No, that's totally you what it is. Sixty grand to go to Paris for Christmas? <laughs> Fuck you. No, but um, you deserve to have your necklaces stolen. Uh, what what you were saying about Catherine O'Hara too? I think that makes the movie more realistic in terms like this is how parents would react in the nineties. Like it wouldn't be a huge deal to have your kid left at home for a few days. Like there we don't need to freak out this much like maybe a little bit but not too too much and it also because i think they live in that community they're like look where we live we're fine and i think eight years old is a pretty good age to make it where he can be just responsible enough but also still a kid yeah um so i think that i think they do a good job with that um the next question I have is kind of an offshoot of that, but it is your favorite and least favorite moments or scenes in the movie. Okay, let's see. I think I think my my most favorite would be that improvised thing with John Candy talking about leaving his kid in a funeral home with a corpse because <laughs> it just keeps going. It's oh, so oh, yeah. funny. <laughs> it's, an, it's such an awful story when it really comes, because isn't part of it too? He's saying like, oh yeah, he, was, he came around after, you know, five, six weeks or something like that. Yeah, like he couldn't talk after that. And also he like gives this little line to be like, you know, when we came through, implying that they were out like on a binge of some sort. <laughs> And then just the way it ends, he like, um, Catherine O'Hara is just like, oh my God, I'm in a van with this man. <laughs> and then his response is just like, well, you asked the question. <laughs> so that, I think that moment is my favorite. My least favorite would have to be, um, I think it's the stepping on the nail in a barefoot. Just because yeah. it's so slow and so real. <laughs> And I also do have a question about the traps, obviously. So that will probably be your answer for that one too. Uh, yeah, I think, I do think the scene in the church is really good um, yeah. for giving a little bit of levity to what is otherwise a very slapsticky movie. Uh, but for in terms of a very specific moment, I think it's when Marv screams when the spider's put on his face. <laughs> I think that scream is incredible. Yeah, I, I actually wrote that down in my notes. Like, this is real for this guy. Uh, uh, <laughs> I don't know if he knew at the time, but they said, oh, yeah, it's, we got the poison out of it. They didn't. So <laughs> I don't know if he knew that in the moment. or And they also wow. told him, like, oh, yeah, the spider can't hear you, so just go for it. <gasps> and I guess he found out after that, like, oh, yeah, that spider could have easily really done some damage but yeah oh that scream is it's so good they are 
amazing, the both of them, at just doing um, the slapstick parts, like the getting the injured, the, the getting injured and then reacting to it. Like that could have been so much more comedic and like over the top and, and not really realistic, yeah. but they sell the shit out of it. Yeah. And they, I don't think I, I admired that when I was a kid. <laughs> I agree with you that yes, they, they find a good balance of not doing, you know, whoa, whoa, whoa like really mm-hmm. over like Looney Tunes esque. Yeah. But also like selling that. Oh, and without making it too dark either yeah. without being on the ground, like, ah, ah. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, this isn't fun to watch at all. Like there's, there are so many moments where it could have been very cartoony. Like even the fact that Joe Pesci gets shot in his, you know, area, um, his reaction to that could have been, you know, more over the top, but it's so realistic. He just needs a minute and he's just muttering under his breath, like, oh my God, I'm going to get this kid. Yeah. He's just trying to keep it together, but he really can't. I like that they have Joe Pesci fake curse because apparently it was a big problem. It's Joe Pesci. He's coming off of Goodfellas and now he's doing this PG movie. So apparently it was a big problem that he would be like, so they just have him being like Yosemite Sam, like, which I think is, makes it even better because It'd be one if they were like limping around and clearly in pain, that's no good, but they're just mad. Like they're just really angry at the situation. Yeah. That's what I I like about it too. Like it becomes a vengeance story, like them versus this kid, which is so hilarious to think about because the kid is just so young. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, and so good with traps too. Like some of them are pretty basic. Oh, I froze the water. So I made ice, but rigging up like the blowtorch system and, like I could do when I was eight, the early stuff of I just shot you. That I understand. But once <laughs> they got in the house, I'd be like, I got nothing. I like, may I just... have put the Christmas balls by the window. That would be as far as yeah. I would go. Maybe the the little cars to slip on. But I don't know if I would have gotten to throwing paint cans. Although I don't even think the structure of our house could have handled that. Like they swings them on the banister. I feel like ours, it just would have swung and crashed the whole thing down. But <laughs> Yeah, there there are obviously two breakdowns online by doctors breaking, really analyzing how they would have been injured in each situation and how many times oh. they would have died. The first movie, and obviously the next episode will cover the second movie. The second movie is definitely where things get, you know, spoilers for my thoughts on that one. More in line with the Looney Tunes, this might be a bit, I don't know if you've already watched that one in prep for the, but. Not yet, but I've seen it in the past. Yeah, that one definitely goes more down the, and I think it's because the traps are so much more intense that they need to balance it. Mm -hmm. But when you look at this one, like there's some stuff like, oh, maybe he broke his neck when he slipped on the ice. But for the most part, it's just a lot of, and probably when the shovel guy hits them, like that dead, probably. But also the the crowbar to the ribs with the spider. Yeah, but probably not dead. Just really, really really hurt. Pink hand to the face, probably dead. Concussion but there's not death. as many here. There's just a lot of Jesus Christ, which does tie into my question. What is the most painful trap? <sighs> and I think we're probably both in agreement that it's anything involving feet. Yeah, it's the it's the barefoot on the nail. Because <laughs> they because they really like you see him set up, you know it's there, and the anticipation is just mm, even now. I, I can't. And I think it's because I have a much better understanding of what that would feel like. Yeah, well, because 
does he he steps on the nail and then he goes to the to the window and steps on the the christmas balls and those break under his feet and that like it's just both of those two things together yep. where i'm like i i have to tap out <laughs> yeah completely agree everything else is so like i've been shot with a bb gun it sucks but oh wow it, oh yeah i have it's not good um i've fallen on ice yeah i've done that too um yeah. I haven't been hit by a swinging paint can, have you? Not yet. <laughs> There's a movie called Better Watch Out that uh, I don't want to say too much about. It's like a Christmas horror movie. It's quite good. Um, and I won't spoil the exact details because there's some twists. But it, at one point, delves into what would really happen if we swung a paint can and hit mm. someone in. So it's, yeah, uh, Better Watch Out if you want R-rated Home Alone. Yeah, it, it, it's a good watch. Not a fun watch, but a good watch. Um, oh, I never actually answered my least favorite scene, <laughs> which I think, and it's not as much now. It really bugged me when I was a kid for some reason. It's when he shoplifts the toothbrush. As a kid, I don't know why, but it used to stress me out. I guess because I didn't like to see him getting in trouble. I but like it's still there's still some residual bit of that that I just that scene where I'm like don't do it just pay for your toothbrush. But I also don't like that he's demanding to know whether the toothbrush is recommended. Like that's not on the staff to figure out. Yeah, recommended no. by the American Dental Association. Go away. Well, I think that's trying to show like his innocence again. Like he needs to. He knows he has to brush his teeth, and he knows he needs like a specific type of toothbrush because his dentist recommended it. But what I love about that scene is that <laughs> he shoplifts this thing, which is like in the '90s, what like ten cents, <laughs> um, maybe more. Um, but then he runs out onto the street, and there's a cop giving a car a speeding ticket, and then. And then, so Kevin's running by that cop. And then this guy who works at the store, the clerk runs out and goes, shoplifter. And the cop stops giving the speeding ticket to run oh, after right. Kevin. <laughs> and that is just so unrealistic for me. What an amazing day. Though. Oh, I guess I, we can assume he probably went back and finished giving the ticket. because The guy could have, well, I guess he has a license number, hopefully. <laughs> he does not succeed in getting Kevin. But you know, Kevin went back later on. I was like, I'm so sorry. Here's the money. You think so? I feel oh, like yeah. he'd be too scared to go back because they'd be like, it's you. Well, he would have to. I imagine that's where he does most of his shopping. If he knows to go there already. Maybe. He goes to the grocery store later, though. Yeah, maybe they're side by side. <laughs> Has anybody worked at the geography? <laughs> I, you know what? Someone probably has. <laughs> Like the more I dove into this movie and figured out like, oh, someone's figured out how much the trip costs and how much their house costs and when they would all be dead during the final sequence. So yeah, somebody <laughs> definitely figured that out. Uh, and I, I can also confirm John Candy not only improvised that, but pretty much everything he said in the entire movie. So well done, John Candy, because man, there's some, he spit some gold during his scenes. So I wonder if there's like footage of outtakes. There has to be like a number of Oh, I'm of takes. sure there is. Um, <laughs> other improvised bits is when Kevin says, do you guys give up or are you thirsty for more? And when Marv says maybe he committed suicide. It's apparently a Daniel Stern improv. When does he say that? Um, <gasps> oh. I, when, when they look outside and he's in the treehouse, I think. <laughs> yeah, because he jumps out the window. That's actually, a, I mean... 
not to endorse suicide, but that's a great line to give. It is. And I like that they kept it in the movie because it's kind of dark. Yeah, I guess that's actually one of the most like over the top uh, slapstick moments when they're just on the wire moving from the house to the the tree house and then the the rope gets cut. Um, One thing actually I haven't called out yet, uh, because I only have a couple more questions, uh, is I want to call out the music. I think the main score that plays over the titles is quite good. And it's, um, what's his face? The guy who just done a ton of stuff. <laughs> John Williams. The guy was like, oh. why, can't I, why can't I come up with this? Uh, He's mentioned yeah. in The Holiday by Jack Black. Yeah. And if I remember right, because there's a Netflix show called The Movies That Made Us, which is not nearly as good as it should be. Hmm. Um they try way too hard to be quirky. It's very unfortunate. Uh, it's like, I just want, I just want the information. I don't need the, the crazy editing and the record scratch sound effects. It's tell me about how they made the movie. <laughs> um, that uh, the original composer either stepped off or couldn't do it. And then he kind of came in last minute. Uh, but I think like nailed it. I think there's a lot of, I mean, obviously a lot of them is the stuff is legit Christmas music, but I think the opening credit score. And I think there's some, there's some there's some good stuff in there that stood the test of time. I think it sets the right tone, the music at the beginning and then like the the title of the film and like yeah. the, the logo of the house or the yeah, the it, image of the house they show. It sets the right tone because it is it's it's a holiday movie. Most holiday movies are very cheerful, very happy. But this one is balancing that with the you know, the horror of forgetting your child. Yeah, it's and a little ominous. It's very ominous. And also like it 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 would capture what Kevin probably eventually feels, right? Because he is afraid of his house at some point. He's afraid of the furnace and the yeah. basement. And so this whole idea of staying home alone is scary. And so I think it nicely kind of pitches what this movie is going to be. It's going to be, yes, happy Christmas movie at the end, but it's also quite scary and and yeah like you say ominous it's quite nice there is a threat yeah Uh, like harry and marv are played for laughs but they aren't you know goofball non-threat villains like when they capture kevin at the end they are intending to kill him yeah i mean like even i mean that's horrible but even what they're doing to other people's houses they're kind of relentless in just destroying the home which is yeah. like the well, premise of Marv, every scary movie. Harry, d- Harry does not agree with his leaving the faucets on. Well, nonsense, that part, but. but he's okay with like the banging things around and breaking things. But yeah. I do, the faucet thing weird. is quite he nice. Is, he's <laughs> using his crowbar recklessly to scoop in the stuff that presumably they plan to sell, which is not the best strategy. Well, that's the thing. Like, I'm wondering what they're taking from the house. Cause in the scene where they are in a house, um, they're at the Christmas tree, right? They're looking at the gifts. They're playing with the gifts. So are they stealing yep. the gifts or are they stealing other stuff in the house? I think like, what's their plan? Okay. I think both. Um, actually, you just made me think of one thing to answer one of the few questions I have left, which is because <laughs> we're covering a 31-year-old movie. If there's anything <laughs> that... What? <laughs> Sorry. 31-year-old movie. Wow. Yeah. Well, so well, I was gonna I was gonna say if there's anything that inherently dates it. Like obviously we've talked about how cheap stuff is, but you just mentioning that when they're listing all of the things they're gonna steal, he definitely says VCRs mm. as a as a big ticket item. They're like, oh, we gotta get this house because they have VCRs. Uh, I missed that line. I, yeah, I need to so go back and watch that. <laughs> that's one of the things that stands out. But other than that, like, I think 
there's a reason it has stood the test of time as a Christmas classic, because I don't think there is that. Like, obviously we can sit and be like, oh, the tech is old, blah, 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 naturally, but there's I would nothing say in Catherine it really O'Hara's that's like. outfit dates it. Yeah, and some like <laughs> hair and stuff. But in terms of like the content, other mm-hmm. than getting to an airport and catching your flight in 45 minutes could never, ever, 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 ever happen now. But hmm. I don't think there's much in there that's like, oh, you could never get away with this now or you could never do that or. Well, I think the whole premise of forgetting your child, I, I think that would be very difficult to do that they, now. Hey, we'll see when we get to home <laughs> sweet home alone. How do you oh, forget you're your right. child in 2021? Because <laughs> they must have found a way to do it. What if it's, it's actually- something horrible and it's just like his parents suddenly both died of a heart attack Christmas Eve and now he's home alone and there's burglars coming. <laughs> the bodies. <laughs> I will see it just because that scene where he fakes that there's a party, he would clearly have to string up his parents and have them dance around. (gasps) (laughs) It's completing the cycle where everyone's like, oh my God, Kevin Kalsher's just young jigsaw. Let's just complete the circle and have it. There is a lot of potential to turn this into into marionettes. Yeah, there's a lot of potential to turn this into a horror movie. Oh, yeah. If you go on YouTube, people have definitely recut this movie as a horror movie and it works. And as I think it especially works more again, we'll get to it with the second one, but yeah, you could, you could pretty easily do it. Um, that's, I mean, that's it. There's still more to do um, with this, with this episode because of how we, you know, how we do things here. Mm-hmm. But uh, would you like to take a guess how much this movie cost and how much it ended up making? Oh God. I think it cost $25,000. That no movie costs <laughs> $25,000. Make a because real guess. There's no point. I guess if you're paying Catherine O'Hara more money. Joe maybe Pesci that's just did Goodfellas. <laughs> you gotta pay Joe Pesci good money. Yeah, but this is the moment. Do you think this is the moment where his career kind of... Like what, how, how much time went by before Goodfellas in this movie? Do you think? I don't think barely any, I think Goodfellas oh. was the year before. Oh, I thought there was way more time and this was just what he was choosing to do. No, I'm pretty, no, I, I think Joe Pesci at this point could do anything he wanted to do. He just wanted to, I don't know for sure if maybe he was like, Oh, I don't know about this. The only person I know for sure, apparently during the filming was like, Oh, was the dad, John Hurd. Is he famous? <laughs> he was he was well known, let's say. Um, okay. He was he was in stuff, but yeah, apparently he was very much. And there were you know issues with filming as, as with many movies, but I guess he was definitely like, oh my god, this is going to be so bad. And then he saw it and was like, I was wrong, and he admitted it. But I guess while filming it, he was very much like, oh god, why am I doing this? Uh, yeah, right. Goodfellas was the literal movie right before Home Alone. And before that, he did like Lethal Weapon 2. So, and after this, he did JFK. So, yeah, Joe Pesci was doing just fine. Okay. I'm, guess- so, I'm guessing they had to pay him a lot to come back for the second one. I'm going to bump up to $90,000. And well, you, <laughs> you should probably keep bumping it because you're still not anywhere. I thought what it actually cost was quite low, but if you're going to. Can throw five digit numbers at it. And I think it made just under a million. (laughs) I don't think you're taking this seriously. Ooh, festive double bucket at KFC. Um, (laughs) 
I have no, I have no concept of the type of money that goes into movie making. <laughs> well, let's say most movies now cost 200 to 250, most big budget epic movies. And even smaller ones are usually like 30 to 40. Like Ghostbusters, I think, cost 70 and everyone was blown away by how low budget Ghostbusters was. Wow. Okay. So that gives some frame of reference. But uh, Home Alone cost 18 million, roughly, to what? make. To make? How much was Joe Pesci making? <laughs> I don't know. Like, you know, there's sets and. Yeah, but the sets done. would have already have been, you know, like that house was probably used in a bunch of other. I feel like it wasn't. And I feel like that Movies That Made Us episode talked a little bit about the interior of that house having to be built like in a swimming pool or something. But maybe I'm getting my movies mixed up. Oh, um, okay. In North America, it made $285 million, And worldwide, 476 476 Yep. Million dollars. It was okay. the third highest grossing movie of 1990. And it came out at Christmas. Like, I think it was like Thanksgiving. It was mid-November 16th. It's right here. Wow. It still ended up the number three. Here, here, just for context, uh, Kim, here is the top 10 movies from 1990. Are you ready? Okay, let's hear it. Number one, Ghost. (gasps) That's number number one. That's number one. Uh, number two, and it's really close between two and three, Pretty Woman is number oh. two, followed very closely by Home Alone. Then Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, The Hunt for Red October, Total Recall, Die Hard 2, Dick Tracy. Mm, surprising. Dick Tracy? I didn't what, is, I, what is this list? Who has put this list together? <laughs> the, the math. Uh <laughs> Driving Miss Daisy. Okay, back, that makes sense. And Back to the Future Part 3. That's, that's one that's of the your, last ones? That's your top 10. This list keeps going. I'm not going to keep going, but I kind of thought Dick Tracy was known for being a big flop. Maybe that was just in comparison to what it cost, but this goes all the way to 200. Wow, I guess it must just rank every single movie that came out that year. It keeps going and going and going. Let's just see what's number 100. Something called Wild Orchid. There you I go. don't know what that is. I and I mean, some of the lower ones are movies that opened in 89, but we're just still making money. So there you go. Kindergarten Cop was 21. That's too bad. Oh, wait. Oh, I was going right- to watch that. That's on, um, that's on Netflix right now. It opened right at the end of the year. So that makes sense. Um, but yeah, unless you have any other big thoughts on Home Alone, we uh, we end every one of these episodes with a game. Okay. Uh, which gets harder and harder to do the further we get in a franchise. Okay, now I'm nervous. <laughs> but for today's game, I have noted because this is, you know, a Macaulay Culkin movie. Oh. Macaulay Culkin is the star of Home Alone. So I have in front of me 10 other movies and you have to tell me is that also a Macaulay Culkin movie? Oh, God. So I hope, I hope you're familiar with Macaulay Culkin's filmography. I here, don't know him outside of Home Alone. <laughs> oh, then this is going to go terribly. So here we go. Okay. Num- number one, Man of the House. No. Correct. 
That is a Jonathan <laughs> Taylor Thomas movie. I was going to say, I've seen this because I'm with him and, Chevy, him and Chevy Chase back when Chevy Chase was like, I just need money. So I guess I think I remember loving that movie as a I, child. I don't remember. I, I've seen it. So there you go. Man of the House episode, probably at some point. <laughs> Uh, and also, too, if, you, if you've if you listened to this podcast, you'll be able to get a few of these. Uh, Wild America. No. No. Because another, that... Another JTT. I was going to say. <laughs> this is... It was JTT in the movie, or was it Macaulay Culkin? <laughs> it's basically... Well, no, we go, start to go down a different path pretty soon, but... Wild uh, America. No, that was good. Uh, Richie Rich. Yes. Yes. Another he would be I, in that because he's annoying. And that movie, I remember being really annoying. I remember loving Richie Rips, and it has been on the list of potential episodes since day one. Ooh, okay. And we just haven't gotten to it yet because I've always debated if we should do a Macaulay Culkin month. But that's yeah. a bit much, I would say. Not really. When we get to the end of this list, you'll see why, I think. Okay. Um, okay, so yes, you got that one. Get yeah. even with dad. Oh man. I'm going to say, yeah, because yep. that, that that just seems like a line he would give me in Home Alone. It was him. The dad was Ted Danson. Oh, my God. Uh, I'll be home for Christmas. No. JTT. JTT. <laughs> so I was like, I hope she isn't that familiar with JTT's filmography here. This is going to be too easy. I'm a little bit embarrassed by this. Uh, my <laughs> girl. All of this out. Nope. Oh, he's my girl because he dies. Yeah, he's there. Fucking spoilers for my girl. How dare you? It happens right at the beginning. No, it right? doesn't. Okay. Like one of the last things that happens. I didn't like this movie. So I remember starting it and then ending it. And then, he, and then that happened. I was okay. actually originally going to put my girl two in here just to see if I could trick you. But yeah, mm. clearly you've seen my girl. So uh, my rookie girl of the year. Worked. Oh, rookie of the year. I'm going to say no. Yep, that was uh, Thomas Ian Nicholas <laughs> as the Rookie of the Year. I don't know who that is. Uh, he was in the American Pie movies, and he was also the kid who was in King Arthur's Court. Oh my god, I had such a crush on that guy. And the kid, kid in King Arthur's in Court? Whew. He also, there was a, what, Aladdin's Palace was the sequel to that, I think. I never saw it. I never saw that either, but uh, I'm going to have to now. <laughs> uh, the Good Son. That sounds too good for Macaulay Culkin. So I'm going to say, when did this come out? <laughs> was this a turning point in his career? I'm going to say I, no. Uh, it was. Mm-hmm. It was his bad, bu- he was the villain. Uh, it was like him and Elijah Wood, and Elijah Wood was the good kid, and Macaulay Culkin was the secret bad kid. And he gets to say uh, the F word. <gasps> okay. I think part of it was his dad, who controlled everything, agreed like he'll do Home Alone too, but we want him to do the Good Son, so he doesn't get typecast. <laughs> wow! <There you> go. <laughs> uh, Way to plan ahead. Igby goes down. No. Correct. That was Kieran Culkin, his brother, <laughs> who recently hosted SNL, and I had no idea they were brothers. That, which was really, I heard he did a pretty good job. Oh, too. it was great. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Funny. Which was surprising. Now I need to make sure I'm right that that was because maybe it was also Rory Culkin. But also, I feel like by looking all of this up, I'm ruining <laughs> a future game of which Culkin was it? <laughs> uh, 
Uh, the goat down was Kieran Culkin. I think he was uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the world too. He, I think he was the Culkin who was in that one. How many Culkins are there? Three minimum. There's Rory, Kieran, and Macaulay. Hmm. I don't know if there's a fourth. It was, yeah. He Oh, and he's in succession. That's why he was hosting SNL. Yeah, now I yeah. get it. I don't know what that is, but they kept referencing it. I know a ton of people are talking about it. And it's also led to this argument about whether you need likable protagonists in your story. Because apparently Ooh. everyone on that show sucks, but people are like, you know, that's fine. And it is, obviously. Mm-hmm. You can make a movie full of unlikable people. Of course you oh, can. Yeah. Um, final, oh, this is the 10th and final one. Uh-oh. Saved. Saved? What is this? I can uh, tell you it is. it stars Mandy Moore. Mm, so I'm going to say no. Wrong. <sighs> Macaulay Culkin is in that movie. That oh, was kind man. of his big, like, he hadn't done anything in a while. Like, he kind of did Richie Rich. And in Richie Rich, whenever he spoke, his voice would crack. And you'd go, uh-oh, Macaulay Culkin's not cute anymore. And then <laughs> he kind of came back and, like, I'm in Saved. You can take me seriously again. And then he unfortunately had a lot of personal and drug problems. But he's like, have you seen him lately? He's back. Like, he looks good. Yeah. Uh, the last time I saw him in anything would have been Will and Grace. So I thought you were going to throw that at me. Oh, no, I didn't even realize that was a thing that he did. But he makes a guest appearance. I forget why, but it was funny. It was good. I think that was the moment where he was starting to like, um, like get off the drugs and the stuff that he was doing and reclaiming his his roles in film. So I remember that happening. And that was a big moment. I remember. Yeah, no, good so, for him because he did kind of go the path that you know. Unfortunately, you hope child stars don't of like, oh, he's kind of self, he's kind of self-destructing and imploding a little bit. So it was nice that he, from the looks of it, has turned himself around. He was on American Horror Story, and yeah, he looks oh, interesting, looks happy and healthy, and so. So how many did I get right in that game? You got seven. Yes. Yeah, you actually were on a complete <laughs> like. Yeah, I thought you were going to sweep it. And then the last three kind of. Oh, I never sweep anything. Kind of threw you. My but, floors. <laughs> but, oh, I needed a laugh track right there. <laughs> or that movie, uh, movies that made us record scratch. Um, no, I think what saved me in that was that I, I know my GTT movies quite good. Yes. <laughs> Clearly, I've, I leaned way too hard on like, she'll get them confused. <laughs> Oh, I don't know no. why I thought that, but <laughs> so seven out of 10. So we'll see. You have won the first game. Yes. We will see how that goes from here. I just want to uh, give a shout out to my one true love in the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> my boy, JTT. We've covered a lot of JTT movies. Well, two, but still quite a few. <laughs> like we did Wild America and we did I'll Be Home for Christmas. The second one I was remember... very bad. Oh, I was going to say. I remember it having a redeeming moment at some point. I don't recall that moment. I think the redeeming moment was JTT's hotness. See, I can't appreciate that anymore. (laughs) So. And this is usually the point in the show where we would determine what our ranking is. Uh, I'm for now, I'm going to put Home Alone at the top. The first one? Yep. I'm not. Am I the, jo- the, the joke is that you have to because it's the only one oh, we've talked about. But I know the uh, I know at least two of the other ones. But okay. they don't know that we know. Okay, so okay, we have okay. to wait. So they don't this... know I've already watched two and three. <laughs> 
this is the best one yes. so far. In this moment, Home Alone 1 <laughs> is the best Home Alone. I feel this like is something you should have told me beforehand. Okay. So I yes, did. <laughs> we got talking about JTT. I'm I'm getting sweaty over here. So I, I told you this before we started recording because you're like, do we talk about all of them now? I was like, oh, no, no. God, no. I didn't know we had to agree on the. Okay. So yeah. I told you that too. <laughs> Come on now. Okay. So this hands down. Number one. Yes. Out of it's all a, of them. It sounds like you maybe weren't as positive on it as a movie as I am. I've seen it so many goddamn times and I still, I still think it's great. I can't wait I to show my, my kids aren't it. ready. My kids aren't ready for it yet, but I'm excited for when they are. Mm-hmm. Actually, I, I would want to know what a, a child thinks of this nowadays, but I used to not like it because it was so overplayed. Like it was just, it, it was just, I knew what was going to happen. There was nothing to look forward to. But now that you forced me to watch it and pick up on some of the lines, I did really enjoy it. <laughs> Putting finger quotes around forced. Sure, because yeah, I believe like, it went, hey, do you want to watch and talk about a bunch of Home Alone movies? Sure. But it held me responsible to actually watch it. And That's to like true. watch it with like more attention to detail than I wouldn't. Because it's it's honestly a movie I take for granted, I think. So there you have it. <laughs> I'm glad that you finally you've grown to appreciate it and what it's here to do. Yeah. <laughs> Get me talking about JTT. <laughs> Get you talking about JTT. Uh, so yeah, that's Home Alone 1. There's more coming. Um, I don't think I told you this, but the plan is essentially these are going to get released Netflix style. So like this one, here's a little taste because it was also, you know, we backed our piloted it into this week. So do we still like this? Uh, the f- episode of uh, the show flipping through franchises will promote when it's, you know, up in a thing. There's a logo already. It looks fantastic. Uh, done by uh, Cassie, who did our Goodwill is Hunting logo. So the logo looks great. But the uh, the plan is rather than having to keep to a consistent release schedule, because these things are these ones are trickier. When all of the episodes in a series are ready, they will all get released at one time, pure Netflix style. <laughs> so when Home Alone goes out you will be able to listen to one, two, three, four, five, and oh, no. six back to back. So if you're traveling for Christmas, you can go shut the radio off because I got something way better. And by the end of it, we will emerge knowing is one the best? Is five going to somehow magically be the best? <laughs> I think this is going to be interesting because I think you and I are going to fight a lot. Once we I get think to some six of those is going to take the cake. Six oh, is going to win it. So I mean, it's hard. called Home Sweet Home Alone. Oh, yeah. That's Academy that? Award winning. Awful, awful wordplay. <laughs> um, yeah, we don't have a sign-off phrase, but uh, thank you to, to Kim for joining me here for our journey down the Home Alone path. Um, I think this is going to be a fun one. I <laughs> can't, like, because I, I haven't seen three, four, five, and six. I've seen, you know, I've seen three as of this moment. It's kind of exciting to watch these Home Alone movies I've never seen. You haven't always... seen Home Alone 3? I had never seen Home Alone 3. <gasps> I so loved it's, it. <laughs> it's kind of fun to be like, what are these movies? And like, what's going to happen in them? So stay tuned because next up is Macaulay's last go at it with Home Alone 2, colon, Lost in New York. Um, and until, until then we, we don't have, uh, we don't have a closing thing, so we'll figure that out, I guess, unless you have something magical. That's a hard no for me. Perfect. (laughs) See you all next time.